Welcome to Conversations with Nista, where we sit down with real people to have real conversations. I hope today's episode leaves you with an insight, an idea, a question, or a smile. Listen in. This conversation is for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Conversations with Nista. I am super excited to be here with Sarah Goldsmith, astrologer and spiritual coach to dive all things dive into all things astrology and personal free will and outcomes and co-creation with the universe and oneself so sarah thank you so much for being here today we actually met last year when i actually got a personal reading from sarah and ever since then i've been keeping up with her journey with her posts so today we're just going to dive more into things like the misconceptions that maybe a lot of people have around astrology how it relates to our personal decisions and outcomes Um, But Sarah, I'll let you give a quick intro to our audience as well. Thanks, Nista. Thanks so much for inviting me. I love talking about astrology. So I got a little too excited um, for uh, joining you on your podcast. But I am ultimately, uh, I like to call myself a mindful astrologer or a spiritual astrologer because my journey so far, I've been practicing astrology like with clients for seven years and throughout that journey I've learned so much about the power of using astrology as a personal development tool first and foremost and so that's where getting into conversations about astrology is so interesting because there's so many misconceptions or people choose to use astrology for different things so primarily I was brought to astrology through personal growth where some people are brought to astrology through wanting to predict the future or, you know, wanting to uh, understand, um, like, get, like, definite information. Um, but my journey, and what I'll probably repeat throughout our chat, is that it all comes down to personal growth and treating yourself with love, kindness, and and practicing your own version of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I love that approach too, because I think on a personal level, I steered away from astrology for so long because I didn't see it as like a very probabilistic tool. I saw it as more of like, okay, well, this is what's going to happen to you. This is your horoscope. You're going to wake up this morning. This is, it's going to go this way and there's no other way around it. So um, I'm just curious, like what got you into astrology and then how did you kind of develop this more like intuitive mindfulness approach of um a lot of it is based on like one's decisions and creating it in like almost a more empowering way for your clients yeah so for me astrology really okay I actually writ written or have wrote um uh a little thing that I'm going to share in one of my upcoming books or workbooks but I came to astrology trying to figure out my romantic timeline. I was like, I'm not getting a boyfriend anytime soon. I was caught up in, you know, just university. I keep on calling it like white girl syndrome in my head, desperate white girl syndrome of just wanting to get attention from from other people and from men specifically. And that brought me to look at astrology and i was i started looking at astrology from that point of view of how what information can this give me about the future about my partner i wasn't initially 
looking at it to find out more about myself. I wanted to find a solution and understand what type of partner I, I'm supposed to attract or and stuff like that. And I say that with a little bit of sass right now because to me now I'm so invested in using it for personal growth because of my mistakes. Because in you know high school and early university for me, so over seven years ago now, um, I was using astrology or popular astrology like horoscopes online or um, the stuff that is just generated by by uh, websites online and use and misusing it. I was really just picking out the information that I wanted to hear. And when I developed more into my astrological knowledge, I, or when I just really started learning and began applying it, I understood that it all came down to how the world is a reflection of myself. And so that's kind of what twisted it to helping me be more mindful and that initially started from understanding new things about my astrology and my personal reality, but understanding more about the planets. Um, the catalyst for my uh, a, like deeper astrological journey and me becoming an astrologer eventually was learning about Saturn, actually. And Saturn is the planet of karma, and it really gets us to address our personal issues. <laughs> um, and that is really what what was the changing game for me, was learning the true essence of some of these planets and how they showed up in my chart and what I was going through at that time. I was 21. I was going through a Saturn square, which is um, for me, it was actually in my house of relationships, which is why I was so focused on relationships at the time. And, and the rest is history. I just really began to realize that astrology is much more beneficial when you're relating it to your personal experience rather than taking what other people say as um as gold or as the ultimate ending um and that's why as an astrologer i hope that all my clients know that i'm here to get information from them as well to help understand their perspective so i can better relate what i'm seeing in the astrology to their personal experience because it's not there's a certain word but it's it's objective to or is it or subjective. I might be misusing one of those words, but you as a person and your own experience is what makes astrology even more powerful, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, I want to touch on where you started with like how you were using astrology to figure out and predict all of these things outside of you. Um, and so again, it's like, it's like, I think with so many people who are seeking out astrologers or psychics or doing tarot readings. And I was there when I first started my personal spiritual journey. And so many of my friends, it's like, we're, we're seeking these answers, but really these are tools that are reflections of our current energies. And so those are bound to change from our free will decisions as well. But I think we forget that that's how much power we do have. And so it's like wanting to employ that control always and like using these tools as a way to like, continuously be in like a control state is something I fall in victim to and like I that's why I really want to have this conversation because it's like reframing the fact that this isn't like a way to micromanage every part of our lives but it is very much like a it's like a as needed tool and an as needed guide 
Um, but remembering that like, we are the ones who make those decisions. So like, I really want to touch on, cause we brought up Saturn and I think Saturn returns are so commonly talked about as well in a spiritual community, as well on social media. And my first time hearing about the concept of a Saturn return was exactly the summer two years ago. And to my understanding, it was something that would happen between the ages of 27 and 29 and that's when like your whole life would fall apart and everything would crumble yeah. and you would kind of <laughs> rebuild. And then I started learning more and I started, you know, ex- like going to some astrologers and my friends were going to astrologers. And then I learned that you could have like a Saturn like return effect much earlier. And so you talking about a Saturn square, I would just love to like discuss the entire concept with our audience talk about Saturn return what exactly is the Saturn square as you mentioned and then Mm -hmm. just talk about the fact that like some people do experience that much earlier than others and those like rebuilding tower moments in their early 20s um because I've from my understanding today a Saturn return can really be wildly different the ages of 27 to 29 can be a huge tower phase for some people, whereas for others, it can be like the best years of their life. So um, are there any like things, I guess, that contribute to that? Or is it really very innately just like one's own chart upon birth? Or I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the entire thing. Yeah. So not even just with Saturn, but with all planets in general, everyone has their own unique experience, of course, based on personality and the way you were brought up and stuff like that. But most importantly, uh, because of the differences in your natal chart, and not a lot of people realize how many nuances there are in a chart that that tweak the meaning of these generalized horoscopes for you. So one of the things that I'm going to talk a little bit of like technical astrology, but then we're going to come back around to the Saturn return experience. But one of the things is sect. So everyone, say you and someone else were born on the same day at different times. Um, And someone was born during the day, someone was born in night. That is what in astrology is called sex. So having a day chart and a night chart. And that changes the energy in your chart. That changes how you perceive the world. People in a day chart are a little bit more um, straightforward or like see things at face value. People with a night chart are more inquisitive and investigative. So that alone would maybe change how they perceive specific transits or how they experience specific transits. I have a night chart. So my Saturn waning square that I talked about, I was ready to investigate, ready to get in deep with these emotions. I was surrounded by friends going through a similar transition and they were just, they weren't as emotional as me. They weren't as inquisitive as me and they have day charts. Um, And so that's a, that's one example. But then um, other nuances with your chart, like your ascendant is so much more than just one of your big three signs, but the planetary ruler of your ascendant um, helps us understand what planet has a bigger influence over your chart. So people who have a Aquarius or Capricorn rising, Saturn is their chart ruler. So they could have a very different um, perception 
of Saturn, uh, Saturn cycles. It's Saturn cycles are always going to be strong for them. They're always constantly addressing things like structure or like their career, like these big, powerful Saturn themes that are long lasting. Those type of people are constantly addressing, um, like main themes in their lives, I want to say, or main themes driving towards their success. But um, other people with different rulerships, the um, Saturn can have a different effect. So for example, actually, Nesta, your uh, chart ruler would be Mercury. And Mercury's cycles are every three weeks. So where Saturn cycles, or or I guess I should say, um, it changes signs every three weeks, Mercury, usually retrograde pending, but Saturn changes signs every two years. So for you, you having a chart ruler that is more naturally inquisitive and communicative and engaging with other people, your Saturn return or is likely to be, be more vocal, I want to say, be more relevant to your experiences on the surface rather than something deep and maybe more personal or isolated. Because Mercury is all about sharing messages. And especially with uh, you having a Gemini rising as opposed to a Virgo rising makes you a little bit more social. So your experiences with Saturn can be, yeah, on that surface and in your general experience, way more obvious. And that is one way that you could feel those feelings early, but also depending on, of course, where Mercury really is at that moment in time and how it relates to your Saturn position. For you, actually, your Mercury has um, is square to it. So with your chart ruler being square to where Saturn is right now can really cause this... Um, because I know you shared with me before we started the podcast that you were feeling these Saturn return like themes a little bit earlier. So there's so many different nuances that people can have in their chart, which is why themes of Saturn, like restructuring your life and big themes can come up. Um, But to take it back to just Saturn, Saturn is one is like the in-between planet of the inner and the outer planets. And in Hellenistic astrology, Saturn was the furthest planet that they could identify with their eye. It wasn't till the 1800s that we discovered Uranus and Neptune and Pluto because we had telescopes. So Saturn was always like the be all and end all for for astrology, like the big player, like this is where we have those major life moments. And it hits the a square, an opposition, another square, and a return um, every seven years. And squares and oppositions in astrology are those moments of deeper tension, moments of needing to actually make those adjustments instead of a trine where things maybe just come easy and there's more harmony for you. Squares and oppositions are clearly moments where we have to put an effort um, to make things happen. And this is usually why there's different age age groups. Like uh, our first square is when we're when we're around eight, seven, or eight, and usually that's um, for from what I remember from my childhood. You know, you're almost ten. You start to have more of like a sense of responsibility. You can help around the house more. 
um, or, or just little things like that. Like people start treating you like a functional human being instead of like a five-year-old needing, needing a little bit more attention. Then you're 14 at that first opposition. And 14 is also kind of a coming of age period because you're not 13 the first year in the teens, but you're like getting up there. Um, and of course this is like in a bracket of two or three years, but we all personally can experience these natural coming of age moments throughout the Saturn cycle. And then we have 21 and in the U S that's like, okay, drinking age, right? Like that's such a clear, clear coming of age kind of moment that I think with the people born in the United States can be so powerful when they are experiencing their Saturn square in the United States. But for me, I'm Canadian, so I could drink before then. <laughs> but, but for my Saturn return and what I've like, I'm so grateful to my clients because I have had a lot of clients while they're experiencing their Saturn square is 21 is usually that age where you're breaking free of your childhood and teenage concepts. And the seven years between your Saturn waning square at 21, and I forget, I might be missaying, I might be, um, it might be waxing square instead of waning. I'm really bad with those directions. <laughs> but um, the seven years between 21 and 27, 28, when your Saturn return starts and Saturn return being Saturn is exactly where it was at the time of your birth are such a powerful seven years that it almost feels like those seven years can be your whole entire Saturn return because every you're just very conscious because society itself is asking you to change from young adult to full-blown adult, you know, because in your early 20s to late 20s, you have these decisions and lessons to learn. So that is one of the, like the first Saturn um, return is always so powerful because if you didn't listen seven years ago at your Saturn waning square, if you chose to rebel or if you chose to just like dive into toxic habits and not take that time as an opportunity to self-evaluate, but rather try to fit in or try to meet other people's expectations instead of work towards your own desires, your Saturn re return is going to be a disaster because you're going to see that those were temporary solutions. But using me as an example um my Saturn return I realized like I don't want to just be focused on getting a guy that's so stupid <laughs> um and so how can I make this about me how can I be okay with myself and this seven-year journey because I'm in my Saturn return now has been a journey about self-love and I'm getting married this year. So done. Check. I found my perfect dude. <laughs> Thanks. I'm getting uh, literally in two weeks. I'll be officially in my dream job. Check. Because uh, I do job. I have other jobs aside from astrology. But then throughout these seven years, my astrology business has grown and my connection with my spirituality and the universe has grown like 20 fold. So those were all things that I was lucky enough to have the ex have the experience during my waning square to create those goals and discover them and now I'm looking back and being like this is exactly where I wanted to end up so with your Saturn square this is where when I when customers come to me I really focus on mindfulness with when you're 21 because 
and in between your Saturn square. So if you're like 24 or in, in somewhere in between right now, really pay attention to yourself during these years because you're going to solidify that at your Saturn return. You're going to get those results of sticking up for yourself, of learning to love yourself and learning about what you need. Because Saturn is also like we see it as, you know, that be all and end all energy of structure and authority and karma. But I recently read an article that talked about Saturn as the crone energy. So I like to think about it as your higher self, your wise, wiser, older self, giving you these lessons and helping guide you along is where we can ultimately use Saturn as kind of like a gentle um, advocate for ourselves rather than being like, oh, it's just Saturn. Saturn's being so annoying. I lost my job because Saturn's forcing me to restructure my life or have those crazy tower moments. My Saturn um, position is making me depressed. No, it's moving you towards something else. And having those perspectives is going to be really hard if you don't have a mindfulness practice, if you don't have, you know, tools like therapy or a good support system to help you help you pick yourself up when you think those bad thoughts. Because it was like six months ago, I was thinking that my job was a disaster. So you're going to have those moments. But coming back to astrology, coming back to understanding your personal cycles and having those mindfulness and mental health tools all help in like a healthy cycle. So for people like you were saying, Nista, that might have those detrimental Saturn moments, it could one, be because of what I said earlier, how Saturn rulership shows up in their chart and if it's in a negatively positioned place. But two, if they just haven't done enough personal work and understanding to really um, set themselves up for success for all of these changes and and take agency to to ask for the right changes for them. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say, so the waning square in my understanding is, is at 21. Would you say that's almost like a, the way I understood that was like a, an eye opener, like a wake up call to potentially what needs to be changed. And then with Saturn's effect coming in, whether that's 27 or even earlier than 27, those seven years that you were saying after 21 is almost like an extra like catalyst or an extra bump of like, hey, let's really get this moving. Yeah, exactly. So the waning square, because squares are tension. And so at 21, we experience that tension and it's that catalyst to make us figure out what we want, how we want to live our lives as individuals, as separate from, you know, from our family as being full grown adults now or in that stage of early adulthood. And then the return is actually a conjunction and conjunctions are very positive. Conjunctions are, yeah, when a planet is either in the same sign or within really close degrees of your natal planet and conjunctions are positive because it's like a birthday. It's a return. It's a renewal. So you get to solidify and renew what um, these themes of Saturn mean to you. So renewing your karma, renewing um, your understanding about structure and authority. So for example, um, with me, my Saturn return is here. It's been here for four months and I had to address certain authorities in my life. I actually changed what type of religion I want to work with. I, you know, I um, changed out of different 
um, different spiritual groups because I was really like, oh, I have to just, it just came so naturally because I felt like I had to renew um, my experience with religious authorities is one or spiritual authorities, I should say, because my Saturn return is coming up in Pisces, a very spiritual sign, um, but also having to address my issues with authority figures like my bosses my parents Mm -hmm. um those all came up real fast within four months of Saturn coming in and I was better prepared for it because of the journey that these seven years has has brought me towards but the conjunction is what made it come all as in a refresh rather than feeling tension on those themes and not having a proper resolution it's now a resolution because it's returned and I'm able to this is something that maybe because I am an astrologer so people might not always have this perspective but because it is a return I'm able to understand that this is a new starting point so I really encourage Mm -hmm. anyone going through Saturn returns or preparing for their Saturn return Recognize it as a starting point and refer to your old structures as my previous belief, my previous understanding, um, or my previous connection. Because if I were to continue saying, you know, I'm holding on to trauma from my mom or holding on to a previous religious belief or practice, then I haven't fully learned some lessons of the Saturn return. I might be people pleasing or trying to keep myself safe by not cutting something off. But Saturn returns are really let yourself have that fresh start. Um, and for some people, it will take the Saturn return to embody that fresh start because everyone has different timing, of course, depending on their unique chart rulership and where Saturn is in their chart, what house. But other people like me, it comes in really fast. And now my Saturn return, I get to have these two years to commit to understand what is renewed and be able to commit to it. And that is what I've seen the most, um, of course, because people who come to me for astrology readings are usually in a little bit more of a spiritual mindset or personal growth mindset. So they have been able to take their Saturn return with grace and as that starting point. But people who haven't been as familiar with astrology really can see their Saturn return as that point of, I lost my job or I changed my job, I got divorced or Um, I ended a relationship. Those big things do come up to redirect you um, is what my belief is. Sure. Okay. And then also with the Saturn return, I know that that can take, that takes place typically in like a certain house, right? And so that's the region of your life that would be maybe the most impacted. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, So Saturn, it's interesting, and I'm going to bring up your chart as an example too, but if you look at your- Somewhere in the video here, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And if you look at any, any listener, if you were to look at your chart and see where Saturn is, it looks like an H, and look at the corresponding house, that's the first house or the most- the primary house that would be activated for your sign. So it definitely, all of the, there's 12 different houses. So I could, I won't go through all of them, but you also want to look at it through 
through other lenses. So your natal chart is just one lens. You actually have a billion different charts. <laughs> you have a solar chart, a lunar chart, you can have a mercurial chart. And what that just means is starting the first house at your moon sign, at your sun sign, at your mercury sign, etc. So there's so many different layers that you can look at your Saturn return through because you can say emotionally, my Saturn return for me, actually, this is a good example. Emotionally for me, my Saturn return is hitting my um, fourth house of family. And emotionally, I am feeling that new structure because I'm getting married, one. And that's bringing up all of these things about, you know, forming new family, um, like releasing old old beliefs or old truths about my family because I'm full on create structuring a new family this year. So that's really, really cool. Um, and that really affects my emotional reaction where my outside reaction, my um, uh, it hits my first house. So there's going to be so much more. I'm excited to see what does come up in the next two years in terms of my astrology business and coming out more as my authentic self. But those are two different ways. So extreme. One focused on like the self and my outer persona, my business, and then my emotional connection to my family. So this is where astrologers can be really helpful um, to really give you that extra context. Because if you were uh, in a lunar chart, you might really connect more to how it's affecting your moon sign. And so if an astrologer or someone um, if a TikTok was generalizing, if your Saturn return is in your 10th house, you might not like agree with it right away because you're more due to your chart being in a nocturnal sect, you're more aligned with your moon, uh, your moon's experience right now. Um, and with Nista, what's interesting um, about our conversations earlier, so your Saturn is actually in your 11th house of community, the energy you project, friendship, dreams, um, and it's an Aries. So it kind of means like making dreams come true is like just the energy of that house that you have. But right now, Saturn is in your 10th house and hitting all of these activations you have in Pisces. So this is a great example of how Saturn energy is activating so many significant placements for you, your sun, your midhaven, Jupiter, south node, Mars, um, point of fortune, all, those are so many things. So this is oh. where another example of how you could feel the effects of a Saturn return earlier because Saturn right now is in your Saturn's 12th house of ending. So you're end, there's restructuring going on, but it's hitting all of these significant uh planets you have in your 10th house of career so feeling a lot of uh, change happen and restructuring happening in your career in your perception around your career and your ideas of ambition but more significantly how you like issues of authority like I was talking to earlier how you may see your parents or or certain um employers as as authority or um authorities of your own religious sex like I had as an example, can also show up with, with Saturn showing up in your 10th house. Because Saturn traditionally rules the 10th and 11th houses. So that's also where for you, it's showing up in this way because of your, your natal chart, having your Saturn ruled houses be the 10th and 11th. And right now Saturn's moving through both of them. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, my Saturn isn't 
I'm through my Saturn return, but last year, for example, I wasn't feeling the effects of the Saturn return like you are because it wasn't moving through my 10th and 11th houses. So for you, there is this like earlier induction of Saturn energy for you. Wow. Okay. That is so validating because it's like, I, I know there's so many layers to interpreting one's chart and I feel like because I'm not acquainted with it and I'm not a professional myself, I'll just, you know, you'll just look at like general readings on TikTok and just kind of like internalize those. And I try my best to not do that. So this conversation is so eye-opening for me personally. I guess my next question that I'm curious about, and this might just be more opinions-based, is now with these different houses that Saturn can typically play a role in or move through, do you think that in your opinion, this generally occurs in different houses for different people based on like past life karma that they may need to work through in this lifetime and that's oh like I love the question um <laughs> so I always wonder that like what or how much are we carrying over and uh, because Saturn can be very uncomfortable in terms of like the effects it has is that getting mm-hmm. us to like move through these lessons that we didn't possibly master I'll say just move through in like a previous lifetime yeah especially because yeah Saturn being a the planet that is indicative of karma and it that also comes up to you know your personal point of view I am a past life regression therapist so I love past lives and I believe everything is connected so I have a little bit more of a abstract where I'm like everything and follows your past lives but karma with the with the seven year cycle for sure um Saturn can represent like these are the lessons that you need to move through but oh my god and something is really interesting about your chart too but where I look to for past lives is actually the south node. Um, and when planets cross your south node, it's usually a um, a sign, south node and north node, because they're opposite to each other. But um, it's usually like something from your past life is being triggered a little bit more obviously. What's funny about the fact that you're bringing this up is because Saturn right now is three degrees away from your south node. So it makes uh-huh. sense that past life stuff yeah. could be on your mind right now and could be very relevant to the restructuring you're experiencing because Saturn is right on top of your south node. So this is an, an example of how there's an immediate sense of needing to restructure due to past experiences. And so do, yo, it's the perfect time to do a past life regression session. Like if you do on YouTube or something like that too, those are very helpful. Have you ever done those? So I've tried to do them. And for some reason, so you know how like to actually be induced or like self-induced into the hypnotic state, you have to be like open to it. I think maybe there's a part of me that's resisting because I try and do them and I just, I'm not able to. So like, I, I did not know that you did those regressions as well. Cause I might actually take you up on yeah, that. Always- yeah. Let's have a, a, a call maybe <laughs> even sometime like tomorrow if you're available, cause yeah, they're really I great. Know. And that's, that's a whole other conversation we can always have on the podcast too. Cause oh my um, gosh, wait, actually I, yeah. If you guys want a second follow-up comment below, cause <laughs> I really, really am into past lives and I would love to yeah. do a whole episode, but yeah. Cause there's yeah. So much I could say about that um, in terms of understanding or or receiving information in a meditative state. Um, so that's definitely a different conversation. <laughs> um, so I don't want to derail us. But with 
Saturn cycles and how and coming up with past lives in your chart or understanding when they're activated definitely look at your nodes um, because those are mathematic points uh, with the moon and the sun that are meant to represent past experiences and future future growth and you'll notice that they're always opposite to each other because one mirrors the other and you know in Mm. the divine law of of karma like what um I'm not going to say it eloquently, but one experience means you'll experience the opposite of that experience or, or mirror it in some way and have that complete resolution. Um, and so when something like Nissa is experiencing, um, with Saturn having such a close degree to your natal, um, South node, that's definitely indicative of past life karma coming up very relevantly however i wouldn't say that saturn is always going to represent past life karma um definitely will when it's interacting with your nodes but speaking to karma in terms of this life and how you perceive things um because i'm a big believer due to me practicing astrology in this way for seven years in like the thoughts we think and the words that we speak creating that type of karma and and creating beliefs you know so even though I don't believe that I'm lazy sometimes I will say to people like oh sorry I'm just being lazy right now or like I'm too lazy today like casually with my friends so I'm actually like creating this karmic pattern karmic belief of me saying I am lazy and then you might realize like so this is just one kind of silly example of how activations with with Saturn in certain areas could be affecting those beliefs to be addressed where I do have a crazy experience where I did get really lazy and had to face the facts of wow I've created this really subconscious belief in myself or or truth and that's how Saturn's karma can show up as those deep subconscious stuff because it is the that furthest planet from from us in traditional astrology and is the bridging planet between the planets that have a little bit more physical manifestation to Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto have so much more abstract or subconscious manifestation. So Saturn's so powerful in the fact that its cycles show up in real life stuff like um, or I guess I should say more mundane physical world stuff like job changes, relationship changes, but it also shows up in deep subconscious change. Um, and mm-hmm. that's especially how I see karma coming forward. Um, cause of course karma shows up in like, you know, I've had shitty jobs in the past. I'm getting my dream job. That's karma showing up for me too. But, but this subconscious karma is what people don't really think about because it's so personal. It's all in our head and and in karma within ourselves and with our spirit. And so Saturn's biggest karmic stuff, especially around return periods is restructuring your brain. Um, uh, which is very interesting. Wow. Okay. I am learning so much right now. This is very, very cool to me. I do want to move into um, a little bit of the juicier topics. I know we talked about relationships in the beginning of the episode, and I think a lot of people tuning in definitely are. I see so many TikToks where it's like, 
read this part of your chart to figure out when you're going to meet. And I know it's very subjective and like a lot of the astrologers that I see making those TikToks will acknowledge how subjective it is and how it's very mm-hmm. nuanced. Um, but I am curious, like, I guess when it comes to figuring out those things, like your when you're meeting your ideal partner, what they look like, what types of personality attributes will they have? I guess, what are ways that you as a professional actually look at one's chart to interpret that if those are questions that come up? Which yeah. So um, what's interesting is the first, the first thing I always say to people is look at your seventh house. So people uh, listening or watching to the podcast, pull up your natal chart and look at the seventh house. Um, sometimes in like what gets it confusing for us all is um the way that the chart is also made up because sometimes the chart shows like you have two signs in the seventh house. So I like mm-hmm. to recommend that people start off with whole sign houses. And so sometimes on online generators, you can change that um, or you can Google whole sign natal chart generator. Um, but because when that happens, you just get a clearer understanding. Um, and then you can develop your knowledge or work with an astrologer to get into the other nuances. But looking at your seventh house is important. So um, if you can't get a whole sign chart, look at the sign that takes up the most of your seventh house. But you would look at that sign and then check out what planet rules that sign. And you're going to start making connections. So can I use your chart as an example? Yes. So I know I have Sag in my seventh house, yeah. which means do, like, you, wow. do you want me to share my screen? Oh, so yeah. Point things out. Okay. Cause that just is how, how I work. Um, because I'm a visual gal. Oh wait, right. So, um, cause it also just helps when I can point these things out and make connections, um, rather than just over words. So, and I'm switching a little cause I'm on my, actually, no, I can move this. So, <laughs> With Nista's chart here, we see just her natal chart. Sag is in her seventh. Oh, and yeah, then I need Nath- to your uh, home screen. I don't mean oh, to interrupt no. you. Yeah. That's my lovely little vision board. Um, I love it. <laughs> and and I'm just in the middle. <laughs> no, that literally happens to me games all the time with clients. I'll like be sharing my screen and then it'll just be like, me on Vogue and they'll be like oh it's that and I'm like oh no don't worry about it (laughs) that's the first time it's happened in a while actually to me so okay so we see right here you're seeing it now right yes okay so your seventh house is ruled by Sagittarius you have your moon and Pluto in your seventh house at like conjunct so that's also important but so people following along with their chart look up what planet rules the sign that your seventh house is ruled by. So for you, it's Jupiter and Jupiter is in your 10th house. So we want to talk about both of these things at the same time to get a better understanding of romance for you. And this would mean that partnerships for you are meant to be like one thing are meant to be you're both going to be focused on success. Your uh, Sagittarius is individual and like like forward thinking, entrepreneurial. And with your Jupiter being in your 10th house, that's also a sign of your ultimate relationship really relating to your career. So meeting them when you are successful, when like meeting your dream partner, at least, or the be all and end all um, would be, would happen when you feel like a, you're a really, you're achieving your dreams. You kind of, in in your energy you would be attracting the right people to you 
the best people to you when you feel like you're you're successful. So when you feel less successful, you can feel like you're not in the right relationship. Um, so that's one way to look at it, but also looking at these energies together. So Pisces and Sagittarius, we see all these red lines here and there's actually a square and squares aren't always bad, but it shows that you and your partner are going to push each other's, um, like challenge each other to make each other better. So it's likely that your partner could come from a different stream of business or some unique, lifestyle maybe that challenge that you both get to challenge and learn from each other and help each other grow because squares are points of tension but squares are ultimately like um I always say that squares are ultimately like uh what's it called not angles but a fulcrum like something that launches you forward because it's meant Mm -hmm. to kind of move you forward um so that's One way where, you know, combining the energy of Sagittarius and Pisces in general can also show you information about your partner, like them being individualistic, you finding them more through travel or being out in the world. Um, And then another thing we want to look at is where your Venus is. And your Venus is in your eighth house in Capricorn. Venus being in Capricorn is just like the icing on the cake of, yeah, you're going to meet them in some professional setting or they're going to be a successful uh, CEO energy, Capricorn energy, wanting to get work done, maybe even helping propel your career forward as well. Um, So I'm really excited that this is being recorded to see what does happen. (laughs) But that's the energy that, you know, you're attracting because we see it come up three different times. Um, And then with it being in your eighth house, And then with Pisces energy being there too, um, and with your moon, this combination of energy shows that there's ultimately going to be a specific emotional bond due to transformation, due due to helping each other develop better personally. You might have the upper hand there in helping your partner um, become more self-aware or work towards more personal growth stuff because the eighth house is all about other people's baggage, other people's growth um, and our own, our own personal growth, but usually through the lens of, of how we're engaging with other people. So that is one that's very likely. And that's a decent amount of information. And then when, that's what everyone wants to know. There's so many different timing techniques out there. Um, One that I like to use is called perfections, and that's basically um, moving forward a house each year you were born. So your Nista currently is in a second house year, and this is opposite to where your Venus is. So it's likely that that's one way that relationships are being grown and 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 like addressed but you won't be in a seventh house year until you're 30 so this could be a really great year for you to meet that person to develop those relationships but that's not always true because I didn't meet my partner in a seventh house year um I'm not even getting married in a seventh house year uh so but um what was I gonna say But there's other things in my chart that indicated that this was the right person for me because I knew his his, uh, astrology information. 
Um, so that's just one way that you can get more information about your love life, or I guess two ways is by looking at the planet that is ruled, rules the sign that rules your seventh house, in this case, Jupiter, uh, looking at where Venus is, understanding what it means to have your seventh house ruled by that sign as well and the planets in it. So for Nista, um, Sagittarius ruling the seventh house is also really interesting because it speaks to um, being such a strong individual and having to kind of work through your own personal growth and personal understanding before you attract people because you might even be too picky or too flaky sometimes um, depending on on your experience but because Sagittarius like to move they want sure answers sometimes people sometimes people can't give them the information as fast as they need so it's like bye uh, I'm gonna need someone I need someone who gives me the answer I want to hear right away or who can read my mind almost um, and with you having moon and Pluto conjunct it's also really powerful because it speaks to Pluto is a really powerful planet. It really speaks to how your relationships are. Um, we've spoken about this before in your earlier reading with me, but are deep and are are meant to foster deep connections with people, deep emotional connections, and ultimately spark light in people to grow, to better themselves, or to address their emotional growth. So this also speaks to you having maybe even multiple romantic relationships in your life where you do have those deep connections and they are meant to happen for a reason, but the impermanence of them is reflected of that initial Saturn, um, Sagittarius energy. So to work to have a permanent relationship, you can focus more on your Jupiter in Pisces, which is almost like really clearly indicative of manifesting a partner um if I were like it's like great manifestation energy there but also ultimately what I said earlier focusing on your success because once you feel like you've reached that um that definition of success for you that's when your partner is going to come so so many different ways people can think about it but I hope that helped people identify a little bit in their chart um what ways that you guys can look at your chart and kind of evaluate yourself. Yeah, this is very cool because so much of it is aligning with what I've had like Vedic astrologers read of me and energy readers and psychics I've gone to. And so there's a lot of strong overlap. Um, so it's just very cool to see it laid out like this and definitely get a reading from Sarah, guys. <laughs> Thanks. But no, this is awesome. I mean, I'm like, I feel like this is so much information that I almost want to just like pause here and let people kind of sit with it, let it, let it register. Because I think even with people who maybe not be, who may not be as familiar with astrology, so many of these terms could be very new. So just kind of right. let us pause. And I definitely think that like, even I can say off the top of my head right now, I know that I want to do a follow-up episode with you where we talk about things like, past lives and going into those energies um but for now I really want to end off with kind of just like almost like a piece a general piece of like advice or a reminder that you would give people just in terms of like reminding them of their own power and their free will that comes with all of these processes um because again I think so many people might watch this and be like oh my gosh okay I want to I want to figure out exactly what's going to happen yeah. and know how and 
like you said, with your own relationship and with your romantic partner, like that specific timeline, like technique that you use for me right now didn't really apply to you in your timeline. So just like, mm-hmm. um, I guess just a general statement that even like, I'm sure you say to a lot of your clients right now, just for people listening in. Yeah. So my biggest advice is to explore multiple modalities, multiple techniques and multiple perspectives to find the voice and perspective that works best for you. Because the way that I do astrology might not work with someone who is more logical because I'm very abstract and spiritual and all about the energy that you create and the ability to change your like life path with any decision or moment or commitment. So um, doing research is really important or I guess not research is a weird term, like just exploring the options and being mindful of what feels best for you. Another tip I have is, like I said earlier, tuning into multiple modalities. So human design, numerology and astrology all work together and why I have such confidence in my techniques now is because I've combined all three and I'm able to see the relationship with them all and see the cyclical nature of it with myself and with my clients. So exploring different modalities and different astrology techniques can help you um, when you see things being repeated, like Nista, you just said your Vedic astrologers and then psychics shared similar information, then that helps you know it to be true. So when it comes to being um being exposed to popular astrology on online trust yourself first and and just pay attention to what what feels aligned and how do you know what feels aligned by practicing mindfulness so by taking time out of your day to not be on your phone to get quiet and meditate for 2 minutes even can really just help you cultivate this deeper relationship with yourself, your intuition. And when you build that strength, you'll be able to know this piece of astrology information is not for me. I'll, I'll maybe look into it later if I'm really concerned. Um, because ultimately my personal belief is that everyone is their own astrologer and, or, or their own psychic you just have to understand what tools work for you because ultimately you know you the best you know your life path the best the best way to do that is getting more familiar with your soul your personal experience so i highly recommend the tools of astrology human design um, numerology and past life regression but those might be totally out of your wheelhouse or desires and um, just tune into what makes you feel more aligned with yourself and keep working at it. Um, and do you, and that can help you better process and understand, um, astrological information that is on the internet or, or in your appointments with astrologers, it'll help you have a clearer connection and a better chance of, of it being, it resonating, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I literally read this thing this morning, such a, like so much divine timing around our conversation, but, um, and I'm literally forgetting how they quoted it, but just like, no one knows better than your higher self. So I guess just like a reminder to everyone listening into, cause I always, I always forget that. 
Um, uh, always like, trying to employ, like I said in the beginning, like employee control. So just like a reminder for everyone is like you, it sounds cliche, but I think like you do have the answers within. I think we're just not used to like actually building the muscle of mindfulness and knowing how mm-hmm. to like access those answers. And so um, you're the first astrologer I've really heard who's like very, like been extremely heavy on mindfulness. Like, even the way you introduce yourself, you're like, I am a mindful astrologer. So I really like that. Like I haven't really seen that angle before. And so um, definitely we'll be putting all of Sarah's links uh, in the description box. Do you want to just leave and drop where people can find you really quick? Yeah, I love Instagram. <laughs> so you can find me on Instagram, Sarah Goldsmith Astro, Sarah with an H. And I love answering DMs. I post daily or not daily, but like um, regular updates on the current astrology energy where people can always ask me questions. My website with all of my kind of services and stuff right now is sarahgoldsmithastrology.com. And I do have a lot of webinars, um, which is probably why my, my initial way of speaking is so technical because I get into technical conversations monthly with my free webinars. So so it's great. It's a great opportunity to learn uh, new techniques. I'll be doing one on secondary perf- perfections later this month um, or or and tons of stuff coming in July. Something that kind of builds off of the conversation that we've had is I'll be releasing a podcast episode. I have a podcast called Accountable Astro that I just kind of have episodes come out periodically, but on Saturn and Saturn returns. Um, so it's in two parts because I did some interviews with some people going through their Saturn return. And I also have an upcoming um what's it called? A case study on my journey with my career. And that can help people also look into their, their kind of career cycles, kind of like what we just did with Nista and the seventh house stuff going through that um, throughout the past four years with my career. So, and, you know, showing other people how to do it. So lots of exciting stuff that you can catch me doing, but you'll find all of the links and updates about that on my Instagram mainly. Amazing. So that's all going to be dropped down below. You guys can go check her out. She's always posting reels on Instagram too. So that's super fun. Like you mentioned with your like general energy updates. Um, But that is all for today's episode. I'm really excited to, or I'm already like thinking ahead about our next past life reading one. That's, that's a whole nother like can of worms, but thank you guys for tuning in, Sarah. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Nista. Of course, I'll see you guys in our next episode of Conversations with Nesta.